I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show. I'm Dr. Carl O'Healthy, your host. My guest today, Bailey O'Brien, is a stage 4 melanoma survivor, cancer coach, and community lover. In 2007, at the age of 17, she was first diagnosed cancer before she became terminal in 2011. Finding herself at the end of her conventional wisdom rope, Bailey took a chance on alternative methods, including treatment at a Mexican hospital and a radical diet and lifestyle change. Despite the odds and by the grace of God, she was healed. Bailey's healing prompted her quest for meaning, truth, and purpose. And since finding it, her life has been forever changed for the good. She now helps others with cancer, and it brings her great joy to share her belief that in every situation there is always hope, health-related and otherwise. Bailey is living proof that with God, all things are possible. Her website is www.baileyobrien.com, and you can find her on Facebook and Instagram at facebook.com forward slash Bailey O'Brien 330 and Instagram.com forward slash Bailey 330. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Bailey, and I look forward to hearing about your stage four melanoma. Now, first, Bailey, when were you diagnosed with melanoma? Well, I was first diagnosed in December 2007, and then um, I had a recurrence um, over around the summer, beginning of the fall in 2010, mm-hmm. and um, and then I had my last diagnosis in January 2011 of stage four melanoma. Mm-hmm. And what symptoms did you have? In the very beginning, it was a mole on my right temple that looked suspicious. It it looked like there's a dark spot over another pinkish spot, which I thought was a pimple, um, but it, it wouldn't go away. Um, and then I was getting regular checkup scans, and it showed up on a scan. And then the last time with the stage four diagnosis, um, I had a lump under my chin that was suspicious as well. Mm-hmm. And Bailey, then how were you diagnosed? Well, um, I had the mole removed. And it was biopsied, and then they injected a tracer um, to see where the cancer would have spread, and they traced it to a sentinel node in front of my right ear, and um, they removed that, and it was positive for melanoma. And then I had 45 other lymph nodes removed from my neck, and those were all negative. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when I got my stage 3 diagnosis Mm -hmm. the first time. and then I, so I was a, a quote unquote good patient at that time for my doctors mm-hmm. and didn't, I didn't think really to think outside the standard mm-hmm. medical approach. Mm-hmm. And I was told that I could do um, interferon treatments, which are an older type of immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could do basically daily infusions uh, five days a week for a month. And then I had the choice of doing one booster shot per month uh, for a year, 
to to complete a year of treatment, but they didn't have uh, much evidence to prove that um, doing that would increase my chance of survival or mm-hmm. give me longer remission. Mm-hmm. So I chose to do the one month of interferon treatments, and then I was getting my regular checkup scans every six months. And then about two years later, it, it recurred, or um, there was a sign of suspicion on my scan, a CT scan. So um, there was a spot behind my jaw on the right side and um, one spot in my intestines. So I had a colonoscopy to investigate my intestines, and that came back negative. But then I had a fine needle aspiration um, behind my jaw, and that was positive for melanoma. So... Um, I had surgery, and the cancer was removed. Actually, after the second surgery, it was removed because the first time the the surgeon accidentally missed it. And then I did uh, one month of radiation treatment, and then I was told, basically, you know, there wasn't really anything else I could do but to go on and live my life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, at that time, they did say that, um, the chance of recurrence was much greater at that time, and it could be life-threatening. So I didn't really think I had a whole lot of time left, maybe mm-hmm. three or five years of mm-hmm. life. And at that time, I was 20 years old. Um, but again, I didn't, you know, I I trusted because my doctors had been through so much training and mm-hmm. um, had experience, and they were working at, you know, world famous hospitals mm-hmm. that's all I could do and it was I just figured well a lot of people get cancer I happen to be one of them and this is just how it's gonna go mm-hmm. so many people have a lot of faith in their doctor and that's how they end up including my brother when he was 91 mm-hmm. he went with the radiation which is doctor recommended and mm-hmm. He lasted maybe two months after they finished. Mm -hmm. That was it. But that Mm -hmm. often happens. So none of the treatments were really effective in the long term. Is that correct? Well, it would seem that way. Um, However, in my my research um, in the last several months, I've seen that um, even though the conventional treatments didn't seem to work for me, Mm-hmm. Um, or to give me the result that I really wanted. Sometimes that can be part of um, a long-term remission. So I don't discount it totally, mm-hmm. um, you know. But so it was two weeks after I finished radiation that I felt the lump under my chin. Mm-hmm. And um, with everything I had just been through, I was concerned about it because at first I thought it was so small. I didn't know if maybe it was just, part of normal physiology and I didn't um, notice it before, but I asked a couple friends and, and um, you know, that bump, they didn't have that bump. Mm-hmm. So I called my mom who spoke with my doctor because I was, I was actually in Hawaii at the time with my mm-hmm. teammates for a training trip. I was on the um, swimming and diving team mm-hmm. and um, my doctor, well, we all agreed that it could wait until I got back from my trip. So I went back to Boston and then went to see my doctor in New York and um, she biopsied the bump in her office and came back shortly with the results that it was melanoma again. Mm -hmm. 
And um, that was that was pretty devastating to me, like really shocking, actually. Right, <laughs> like right. I had just finished my treatment and it was it was less than a month later. I thought I had three or five years at mm-hmm. least before mm-hmm. I would have another recurrence. But mm-hmm. it had never really gone away, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, Bayon, so, you mm-hmm. used a combination of alternative treatments then at this time. And could you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the Gerson, the Cooley's toxins, and the mm-hmm. danger model? I didn't know the danger yeah. model. I hadn't heard of that before. I've heard of the Gerson, of course. But if you could just kind of give us an overview, I understand that you use kind of a combination of these. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. can you give us an so, overview then first and then what you did? Sure. Um, well, I I didn't know until after having a scan um, that night that I had stage four melanoma. Mm-hmm. I was in my neck, lung, and spine. And at that point, my doctor was almost <laughs> saying there was nothing left mm-hmm. for me. There was um, Temidar, a chemo pill, but that that wasn't going to increase my chance of survival very much. Um, but she did discover that melanoma cells died in her lab when a B vitamin called PABA was added to them. So she said, you need to go take PABA and the Temidar. And my mom and her friends started researching a bit. And um, I kind of put my life in their hands because mm-hmm. I was just trying to stay afloat and, and um, you know, not get so overwhelmed that I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom told me about... Um, Coley fluid and the Gerson therapy and this hospital in Mexico that offered them. And I was studying nutrition in college at that time. Mm-hmm. So the Gerson therapy made sense to me, which states that cancer is a result of a deficiency of nutrients and an overload of toxins. Mm-hmm. So the therapy is designed to um, restore nutrition through lots of vegetable juicing and fruit juices um, and a, a plant-based diet. Um, organic diet, very mm-hmm. low in sodium, high in potassium, and um, detoxifying the body through coffee enemas, um, which I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really thrilled about this whole right, concept, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it made sense to me. Um, and then with Coley's toxins, they, um, there was Dr. Coley um, in the early 1900s who had a, a cancer, a very, a very young cancer patient um, who was the girlfriend of um, a friend of his, I believe. And so he was a surgeon, and he 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 cut off her, her arm or part of it, hoping that the cancer would stay away, but it ended up coming back, and it took her life. So he started researching and trying to find what um, people had done to go into remission, and he found that people had gotten fevers. Um, this erysipelas infection. Mm-hmm. So he started um, injecting patients with this bacteria, and and some people started getting well. Mm-hmm. So he started um, doing that, and then other doctors. It became a mainstream treatment, and other doctors were using it. Um, it it was um, you know experimental, so it wasn't very consistent. And then around that time, chemo and radiation were becoming. Uh, they were 
um, invented, you could say, and um, they were more predictable. They had more predictable results. Like you would see shrinkage of the cancer um, more quickly and consistently, even if the cancer did return later on. Mm-hmm. But um, so Coley's went out of popularity. But um, the so it's very interesting how um, this works. And there's a theory about the immune system called the danger model which um, Dr. Polly Matzinger came up with. And um, she's, she's a very interesting scientist. Her work is very interesting. She works at the National Institute for Health. And her theory replaces the self versus non-self theory about the immune system, which says that anything that the body recognizes as foreign is attacked. But that doesn't, um, there's gaps in that. For example, um, like uh sperm is not natural or mm-hmm. you know normally found in the woman's body it's not produced by the woman's body and it's foreign but that doesn't get destroyed by the body mm-hmm. it's actually you know beneficial when you want to make a baby mm-hmm. and then there's breast milk which isn't an a protein that's formed in the body until um a woman is pregnant or nursing so um and then it better helps explain organ transplants and why um, sometimes the organ will fail because there's so much um, danger to the blood vessels. Um, so this danger model um, states that the immune system will respond to, to a sign of danger or an alarmin. There are different molecules in the body called alarmins that um, are dangerous. And for example, pathogenic bacteria. And so that's how the Coley's toxins work. Um, Coley's vaccine is the two different types of bacteria, and they are killed by heat, but the toxins remain in the, in the substance, in the fluid. So the immune system recognizes the threat of the toxins, and then there's an immune response to that. And then, like, you can get the Coley's injections subcutaneously, intravenously, or intratumorally. Mm-hmm. And mine were subcutaneous. Um, and I, so the immune system is, it, it helps the immune system to recognize the threat of the cancer because, as as you know, the, the reason that cancer grows is because the immune system, um, you know, can't see it. So we're trying to help the immune system to recognize that the cancer is there and that it's a threat mm-hmm. with the coli mm-hmm. toxins. And then, um, you know, when you combine the Coley's toxins with the Gerson therapy, the Gerson therapy helps to um, strengthen the immune response. And then um, another thing to note about the Coley's toxins is that it needs to be injected um, multiple times. It needs, you need booster shots of it. So not like a typical vaccine where you give like one shot and then a booster or, or maybe a few boosters booster shots, Mm -hmm. but you want to keep boosting until the cancer is completely eliminated and then, and then some, you know, because even if you can't see cancer on the scan, there could still be millions of cancer cells in the body. So with one shot, um, the Coley's toxins, um, they, they can help the immune system remove some of the cancer, but then, you know, it's a long process. So you you could need multiple shots. And I did it three times a week for a couple months. And then we had a little 
challenge with my supply of coleys, and I wasn't able to obtain it for a little while. Um, at that point or around there, I, I dropped down to twice a week. Mm-hmm. And this was after um, I went into remission. I my, di- my stage four diagnosis was January 19th, um, <laughs> coming right up, 2011. And um, the first scan I had after that was about two and a half months later at the end of March. I had been in Mexico for these treatments for three weeks, and then I came home and continued most of the treatment at home. Mm-hmm. I, um, I did the Coley's and the... Gerson therapy at home. Um, in Mexico, I also did Laetrile, high dose vitamin C, and um, mm, that that was it for the most part. I had some IV vitamins. I did one hyperthermia treatment, but I didn't tolerate it very well. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, <laughs> I um, the 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 cancer under my chin, I couldn't feel by the time I left Mexico and that was early March when I left Mexico. Mm-hmm. So then I continued the treatments at home for another three weeks and I was hopeful going in, you know, for the scan and getting the results, but I wasn't sure if the other cancer tumors in my body were shrinking because I had, you know, heard that some cancer could shrink in your body while other mm-hmm. cancer can grow like mm-hmm. different tumors. So went in for the results um, at <laughs> this major cancer hospital. Thankfully, this oncologist had not dropped me as a patient, although I did have another oncologist who did drop me as a patient when I mm-hmm. talked about going to Mexico. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um, that was unfortunate. But um, yeah, so <laughs> I had my blood work done and then went in to. Um, talk with I think there was an intern the first person who I saw and then there was someone else who came in and asked questions and then finally my doctor came in and asked me questions and um, I think he was taking notes which Mm -hmm. was unusual now the memory is a little fuzzy but um, so he was not really saying anything and um, I was kind of curious because I mean, I was really anxious to get the results, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's just walking around, and he he puts his his um, hand on his chin, and then I'm like, okay, so what are the results? Like, I'm dying, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, I'm mm-hmm. dying to know the results. So he says, well, it appears, well, we're not using the PET scan. It's not the best um, tool to use anymore to monitor the progress of the melanoma, but it appears from your scan that you have no sign of active disease. And at first, I didn't know what he meant by that, but what he was saying was that there, this, my scan was all clear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that was a I my health had a very um, rapid turnaround. So he um, was taking the notes for his own use, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then he didn't apparently, apparently, you know, believe much. Of oh, didn't he? In it, because, oh. you know, I. I continued to meet up with him after for follow-ups, and he, he just said, I mean, he said it, it seems to be working, keep doing what you're doing, but he's still working there, still prescribing the same things. Um, but, you know, I could understand he's mm-hmm. deeply entrenched in it. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did both the Gerson and the Cooley at home. And mm-hmm. were you doing then all of the enemas, the coffee enemas, and all of the juices and mm-hmm. all of that? Doesn't that take a lot of time? Yeah, it did take a lot of time. Um, typically around two and a half hours each morning for me mm-hmm. to make my juice. Um, the coffee enema takes like half an hour, 40 minutes max. Mm-hmm. except I had some trouble adjusting and getting used to them, so it could take me a little bit longer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was very, I was very strict with my regimen. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take any shortcuts. I wanted the cancer out as soon as possible. And, yeah, I just didn't want to risk anything. So I spent a lot of time, um, preparing my vegetables when I was going to do some, I uh, cleaned them thoroughly. I dried them thoroughly because we have well water, oh, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I didn't know if it was safe or not for me to drink or have in my food and mm-hmm. and um, juices. So and then plus making the Hippocrates soup, which I had for lunch and dinner every day, which I made like every two days or so. Now is that part the of the Gerson? Yeah. Oh, 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 it is. And what is Mm -hmm. that? I'm not familiar with that. There's um, celery root, parsnip, leek. Um, The recipe I had also had onions Mm -hmm. and potatoes in it. And Mm -hmm. then you could add whatever other vegetables and herbs and spices Mm -hmm. like into it. Was it easy Um, to get leek? Aren't they difficult to find? Leek. Yeah. Hmm. And then I would add flax oil and brewery yeast to that uh, with each lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. And for breakfast, I had oatmeal. And not that I was really hungry, mm-hmm. um, but for snacks, I would have uh, fruit or nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. And I could have herbal tea. And that was that was pretty much my diet for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's not too much dissimilar from I was vegan on the Laetrile mm. and so I didn't mm. have meat or dairy and mm. I couldn't have peanuts because they're a high source of protein. Did you take anything that helped the pancreas that you're aware of? Um, I took some pancreatic enzymes but oh, not did. very high de- mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I took pancreatin with mm-hmm. uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, I mean, I don't know how faithful I was with that. I might have just taken it with breakfast and dinner mm-hmm. um, because there were a lot of supplements that I was taking, and um, it was a little bit, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. a lot of work, like mm-hmm. you said. And did the doctor recommend that, or is that just something that you used on your own? That was recommended to me by my doctor in oh, Mexico. Good, good, great, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad then that they helped the pancreas yeah because they take a beating (laughs) sometimes right and how long bailey did you follow the protocol that they gave you well um my coley's injections were slowly they slowly became less frequent and i continued those injections for several years Mm -hmm. um at least like Four, maybe five years. It mm-hmm. might have been around five. Mm-hmm. And at 
in the last year, I was doing them every six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the juices also slowly decreased in um, in number. I was doing 13 juices at first. I was doing one orange juice with breakfast, and then I'd have six carrot apple juices and six green juices throughout the day alternating. And then I went down, I think, to eight juices in September, so about after five or six months mm-hmm. on the therapy, mm-hmm. which is pretty fast. I mean, um, I think the Gerson Institute recommends doing 18 to 24 months of the full therapy, mm-hmm. but because my cancer had regressed so quickly, um, I I was able to um, decrease pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I went down to five, like five or six juices a day. Now I drink about two servings of juice per day. I do one coffee enema per day. Um, I don't take really many supplements anymore, um, but I was taking lots of those. And um, I don't I don't eat the Hippocrates soup for lunch and dinner anymore. Now I mostly do like a raw veggie mix with olive, um, olive oil or avocado and apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did actually have some animal protein, um, while I was in Mexico, they gave me some, mm-hmm. uh, chicken or fish. And so I don't, I don't eat it frequently, but it is, um, a part of my diet mm-hmm. from time to time. Mm-hmm. The two year is what I did with the laetrile was a two year. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just based on what worked for me. Because uh, my doctor saw me once, and then he never asked me to come back. And so I did all of mine on my own. But I followed with my primary doctor with x-rays, because that's all that was available at that time. Mm -hmm. And after two years, he said it was gone. And so that's when I stopped. I kept the vegan diet and I kept most of it, but I didn't wasn't quite as strict with the diet and also mm-hmm. I stopped the laetrile and occasionally I take apricot kernels, but not that often. So two years mm-hmm. seems to be a typical time period for the treatment and I'm glad to hear that's what they used for the Gerson also. Did you use mm-hmm. any mental, spiritual, like affirmations, prayer, meditation? I was on prayer lists. Did you yeah. use any meditation, yoga, anything like that? Um, I, at that, when I was getting my treatments, I didn't, I stopped pretty much all exercise. Um, spiritually, mentally, um, I'm just um, kind of amazed. At the timing, we had this motivational speaker come to my school, Boston University. His name is John Gordon, and he was he was there to inspire the athletes mm-hmm. um, and motivate them. And I really enjoyed his message. And it came right after I got my diagnosis, the stage four. Mm-hmm. And um, he he's all about positivity, positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I took a lot of notes and tried to follow some of those things mm-hmm. and use that to kind of spur on my um, my teammates. And um, they actually had their championship meet when I was in Mexico, and it was a hard decision to go mm-hmm. away to Mexico when I wanted to be there with them. Right. But um, 
Yeah, I was trying to trying to stay more positive, even though um, I, you know, wasn't really doing that well with it. Um, on the outside, it seemed like I was, but on the inside, not really. Mm-hmm. I I was sharing a room with my mom in Mexico, and um, our relationship was already stressed out a little bit, and and living in the same room for three weeks was um, <laughs> difficult. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the stress of my cancer, mm-hmm. I just was, I was not um, nice to her um, the way that I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, um, some people had encouraged me to pray. I was put on many prayer lists like you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a coach from high school ask me if, or what I believed about God, and, and um, the question made me a little uncomfortable because right. I never really took the time to think about it. Mm-hmm. And and I said, well, if um, he was like, let's let's say you know worst case scenario, and you die, do you know that you're going to heaven, or if you're going to heaven? And I said, well, no, I I don't know, and um, you know I kind of cringe saying this now. But mm-hmm. I said, if I'm going to if I'm going to hell, I'll find out when I get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he shared why he believed in God and um, encouraged me to, well, asked how he could pray for me mm-hmm. because I wasn't really responding to his mm-hmm. um, prompting. And I said, please pray that I I make the right decision about my treatments, what to do and mm-hmm. pursue because. You know, obviously, my life is at stake here, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't want to make a mistake. So, but you were right, he, Bailey. I mean, that is condescending when someone says to you, "What can I pray for you?" I mean, that's saying there's something wrong with you, and I can fix it, and they can't. I mean, that that upsets me as much as the doctor who says you've got six months to live. I mean, who does he think he is? He's not God. God makes that decision, not the doctors, not a medical diagnosis. And that's a very mm-hmm. condescending thing to say. And I think you handled it beautifully. I would not have handled it that well, you know, because there's nothing wrong. You know, we all have our own paths we're on. And we all believe different things at different times. And over time, we change how we feel. And there's no right or wrong. At least that's what I believe. Did you not have any what? reaction when he said, ask how he could pray for you? I actually found it very um, encouraging and comforting. Oh, did you? Um, oh, oh, good, good. Yeah, I knew he meant it out of love. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I knew he really cared about me and, mm-hmm. and wanted me to live and just, um, you know, didn't really know. Mm-hmm. What to do is, you know, it's hard when, you know, someone is going through something like that and you just don't know what to say sometimes. Right. right. So, I mean, I'm so thankful for his prayers because, um, you know, <laughs> the prayers were answered and mm-hmm. and apparently I did find what was going to work for me. And I'm, and I'm still here. Right. Eight years right. later now. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so then, you know, other people encouraged me to pray, and so I started praying. Um, 
Oh, the, the, the motivational speaker for my school mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. graciously called me too, and he asked me kind of the same question. Do you believe in God? What do you believe? And I was like, well, I don't know. Um, he said, well, I believe you're going to get well, and um, just pray for a miracle and keep praying and, you know, knocking on God's door, you know, mm-hmm. asking for a miracle. So I started to do that. I started praying, God, if you're real, please, mm-hmm. um, please heal me. And then I was healed and I thought, oh my gosh, was that like God answering my prayer? And and I wanted to know the purpose of my life and I wanted to make some sense from it because I didn't understand how um, some people get to live and some people don't. Mm-hmm. And while I, you know, couldn't understand that, I couldn't, you know, focus on that because I wanted to take advantage and use wisely the gift that I had been given of mm-hmm. my life and my mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. So um, I started seeking out God myself and started going back there. Um, where I was going, wasn't I wasn't really finding what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. But then um, I went to a Bible study and had this, um, you know, new teaching that I learned um, which some people agree with, some people don't, mm-hmm. but um, that Jesus came to die uh, for our sins so that because God loves us so much and he created us because he wants a, um, a wonderful relationship with us. And, um, you know, unfortunately, people um, sin and sin separates us from God, um, and that hurts our relationship with him. And Mm -hmm. God requires, um, a death sacrifice, which he provided even for Adam and Eve. And then he provided for all of mankind with his own son. Um, so that whoever believes in him should not perish and be separated from God forever, but have an everlasting relationship with him and eternal life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's through faith um, that we're saved by grace, you know, mm-hmm. not from our own work because good works aren't the payment for sin. Death mm-hmm. is the payment. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, holy moly, like <laughs> I I don't have to work my way into heaven. Like I can, because I knew um, I could never measure up to the perfect standard. And um, so that was that was something I wanted to believe. There are so many amazing things in the Bible that I wanted to believe, mm-hmm. but I found it hard when you can't see or feel God, and you know it's 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 faith um, right, when it right. comes down to it. Right. So I thought about how <laughs> it was kind of a funny realization that Jesus is like my cancer treatment because growing up I never really um, gave Jesus much thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um and in the same way, like I never gave alternative treatments a second thought because my doctors didn't believe in them. They mm-hmm. didn't, you know, even though they had heard of them, they they kind of just um, brushed it off. But there were people who really did who the treatments really did work for. And then once I got to the end of conventional wisdom and those options, I. I was left with no other choice but to look outside the box and mm-hmm. research these treatments. Mm-hmm. And so they made sense to me. I decided to try it out, and then it worked for me. Mm-hmm. So with the evidence for alternative treatments, there is like mounds more evidence for Jesus, his life and death and resurrection and um, 
him being the son of God. And I thought, well, who am I to say that this all isn't true? How could I ever prove that it's not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and like, I, I really, I wanted to believe that it was all true Mm -hmm. and I couldn't come up with anything that made more sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to decide now because if this is true or it's not, then my life, you know, will be drastically different, you know, one way or the other. Right. Right. So, I decided to put my trust in him, that he was savior, and I wanted him to lead my life. And then things started to change immediately, and I felt I felt like I had purpose, and I had direction, and I had peace and hope and comfort that I, I never had before. And some and, control over your yeah. life. What's that? And some control over your life that had not been there before. Mm, yeah. Um, at least not, acceptance not of control, it. At least acceptance. Right. That was good. Right. <laughs> yeah. I knew I was safe in his hands. See, I don't believe quite as you do, but I believe something mm-hmm. similar. I believe in God. I believe in angels. Talk mm-hmm. with my angels every day. I give them permission to protect me every day. I believe that Jesus was a wonderful role model, but that there are other role models as important in other cultures. But for our culture, Jesus is the role model. And so I vary a little bit. I also believe that communing with nature is a spiritual experience. Meditation, prayer, I do these things every day. But I don't Mm -hmm. go to church because I believe that if truth were taught in the churches, it wouldn't matter if I went to the Catholic church, the synagogue, Methodist church. It wouldn't matter where I went. But yet there is a certain amount of divisiveness among the different denominations about we're better than they are. And so as a result of that, I tend to go to church for weddings, funerals, and that's about it. But I commune with God every day. You know, I basically believe what you do, but I have variations in how I practice that. But I think Mm. that it all gets you back being positive to trying to help your fellow man to be grateful for what you have and grateful for your health and all of the spiritual attributes Do you think that peace was an important aspect of your treatment plan? Um, Well, I didn't actually find that peace until it was the fall of 2011. So it was well after my remission, maybe about six months or more Mm -hmm. after that. Um, I certainly... (laughs) I'm going to cry like thinking about it. I think it's helped to keep me alive because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, to be honest, cancer was even a, a break for me from real life, like regular life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but, um, you know, things in general have been, seem to be more intimidating for me than, than, you know, a lot of people. And, um, like I, I was happy to be home, you mm-hmm. know. Um, going through my cancer treatments, to be honest, like even my, my first year of college, I, I was so stressed out. Um, I was, I didn't know how, how to handle the pressure of 
of college and sports mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to measure up to expectations and just knowing like how far I was falling short of all of that. And I, I didn't know, you know, who I was, mm-hmm. my identity or um, my purpose even. I didn't really have much direction in my life. So I'm just really grateful to have mm-hmm. the faith that I have now. Do you think so that, that you had those experiences to bring you to where you are now, Bailey? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you would, I don't think... Would you be the person you are today if you had not had those experiences? No. And I'm so grateful that I did have them, mm-hmm. that everything happened the way that it did, mm-hmm. so that I could um, come to this place and share with other people that um, God... God's love is real, and mm-hmm. he has a special plan, and he loves each of us so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can go to him, and he'll never turn us away. From hearing this, Bailey, I have no doubt that you're going to make it, that you're not going to have a relapse, because you have what it takes, and you have found this through your life, and that's wonderful. I'm very happy for you that you've reached this point. Thank you. It's all, I don't know how much time I have, you know, I think about it from time to time. And um, (laughs) my my diet and my lifestyle aren't perfect. And um, I still, um, I wrestle with, you know, doubts and anxieties here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, you know, I always, I always come back to God. I can never, you know, right. what else is there to go to, like I said before. Um, but I just thank God for every day, and His grace is really amazing. And um, just pray that I'll make the most of my time while I am here. And I do pray for a long life, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though sometimes it's a struggle. But I'm just very grateful. and. Um, and want to be able to help as many people as I can.